folks, do you feel like everything these days is go, go, go? It's nonstop from work to friends to family and a million pressing issues. Sometimes you just need to take a playoff and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. Hey, it's that time of year in Minnesota again to get out on the lake, go to the cabin, sit back, watch the baseball. Coors Light is the perfect refreshment to chill during these summer months. There's only one beer out there that's made to chill. The mountains on the bottles and cans turn blue when your beer is cold, and that way you know it's time to chill. Hit that reset button with some mountain cold refreshment. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Coors Light is the one you should choose when you need to unwind. When you want to hit the reset button, reach for the beer that is made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Welcome to another Friday Roundtable. Matthew Collar along with Sam Ekstrom. And joining us for this roundtable presented by Scout Logistics is ESPN's Courtney Cronin. No longer Courtney, our draft scout. That season is over and you are back to yourself. Regular ESPN reporter Courtney Cronin as we approach OTAs. How are you, Courtney? I'm good. It was a really hard goodbye this year because she and I had so much fun in the lead up to the draft. And you know, knowing that this team took a quarterback, she was super excited because the draft scout just lives for quarterbacks taken on day one or two. So I kind of had to calm her down after that and be like, all right, there's going to be tons of time that I can write about this draft scout. I can't do a 5,000 word profile on Kellen Mond right now. We have to get through day three. So like getting her to get through day three and then she was just like, why the drafting a running back first overall? I'm like, will you just freaking relax? Like everything's going to be fine. And so you know, the day wraps up and and she and I are talking and it's kind of like, well, you know, it kind of feels like it was ending kind of on a crazy note because she's so used to waiting till the like end of, you know, working a 15, 16, 17 hour day with the Vikings, but they're done at 199 and draft scouts sitting there being like, well, what do I do now? I'm like, do you want to help me get ready for this radio show? She's like, Absolutely. I'm the draft scout. And so she went around and got 31 other teams, Intel on 31 other teams. So I could host that wrap up show that night. And then when we went to bed, I was telling her, I'm like, look, we've had a really good run this year. And it was really difficult. Like I started tearing up. I'm just like, you are a part of me. You're never going to not be a part of me. I love you so much. Thank you for like bringing me on this journey with you and really introducing the whole world to like a new side of what it means to be a draft scout. And kind of, it was like one of those moments where we knew it was time, but saying goodbye is always really, really difficult. So like Sunday I was in a complete funk and it was like, you know, draft scout left. Like she's, you know, kind of packing up her things. She's gone, but I know she's coming back someday and she's always there when I need her, you know, one call away. If I need something like, Yo, I'm looking at Spencer Rattler. Like, what do I need to, like, know about somebody who's going to potentially be taking number one overall next year? She's already got the scouting report on him. So I can appreciate her for that. It was a fun run, like, changing – you know, she changed my Twitter handle. Like, I didn't know she was going to do that. Like, she didn't give me a heads up. And people were like, Courtney, our draft scout. I was like, I was like draft scout. Like, you can't hack my Twitter account. What are you doing? 
They almost called Twitter and be like, well, my account was hacked. Can you lock it? And like, no, like draft got taken over. And I was like, are you kidding me? She didn't tell me she was doing that. So we got in a fight, but it's fine. Um, I honestly am like, it's been a hard couple weeks moving on from her and just being able to, you know, reset my life as like Courtney Cronin, Minnesota Vikings reporter slash ESPN radio host without the draft scout title a part of it. But I know she's in a better place right now. And she's just kind of, you know, she's already looking ahead to 2022. I don't have time to do 2022 mock drafts on May 20th. So that's, that's her space. And, you know, if you love, like I said to Sam or said before the show started, when we were talking about something completely unrelated, if you love something very much, let it go free. If it does not come back, it was never meant to be. But if it does, love it forever. And I know she'll be back. Gosh, I'm I'm like in tears right now. I don't know if I've ever been properly introduced to Courtney Yard Draft Scout. I'm new to this operation, but I feel like we just gave her eulogy. She's not like, dead. She's not dead. Like, I promise you. She's you're talking like back. she's gone forever. I don't know. Is this an old yeller situation? You put partner. her down? I just lost my partner. Like, she was with me. She's with me. Once Once combine time hits, like, you know, you wrap up the season, get through, you know, the Super Bowl, and I'm just like, where is she? And then all of a sudden she showed up one day. Like, a little bit later this year than she typically does, because she's like, well, we're not going to the combine. I'm like, mm. so what, drafts out? We have a ton of other things on our plate. Get to it. So it was a really fun run. We had a great year this year. Like, draft coverage was so much fun. I mean, getting to do the podcast, getting to, you know, contribute with Purple Insider, you know, doing my stuff with ESPN. Like, she lives for that. And I'm honestly so grateful that she chose me. So this is sort of like um, it's become like your own fight club, kind of, uh, except for every year Courtney, our draft scout, returns. It's almost like uh, when you know that summer has arrived, it's like when we get to the combine. So you're right. This this year was different. This year was weird. We couldn't, like, feel it in the air, and then you just sort of zapped into it and then picked Christian Darisaw on TV and reported that they were going to take a middle-round quarterback. I mean, Courtney, our draft scout, was on fire. But- Did you see her shirt? She put that in there. <laughs> She did that, the shirt that you bought me that says Draft Scout, and she was like, she she was just blown away by the gesture. Well, uh, we will miss Courtney, our Draft Scout. She will return. Um, She'll be back. Do you have an alter ego? Somewhere, somewhere deep in the depths of your soul? Uh, not like that, I don't. (laughs) (laughs) I would not say so. Um. But let's uh, let's talk about the schedule a little bit, Courtney, because um, we haven't gotten your breakdown. And trust me, anytime anything happens throughout the offseason, I'm going to force you to pick the Vikings schedule again. So we will be doing that. If they, you know, if they sign a uh, extra depth corner that's not Perry Nickerson, um, <laughs> then <laughs> then then we'll do it. If they get a wide receiver three, then we'll do it again. Um, but oh. as you went through the schedule, did you think? Um, this should be easy. This should be medium. This should be really hard. This is just right. Like what was your kind of big takeaway on how challenging this schedule is going to be for the Vikings? Well, and I've got it here though. The first six weeks of the season, they face two playoff teams from last year and they get them both at home. Seattle at home in week three versus like the December on the road, Seattle game. Like that was a very strange one to see. And then Cleveland comes to town a week later. You know, Cleveland retooled its defense in a way that kind of mirrors just how much, how many resources the Vikings poured into their defense. And the fact that, um, you know, they come here week four where you would expect there to be fans 
at least in attendance, that edge that the Vikings have, and I know that we, we, we don't talk about that enough. I mean, yes, it's a small thing. It's, it's a play on the field. But, like, I am really curious to see the Kevin Stefanski revenge game and all of that. But, like, so as I was breaking down the schedule and, and when we had to, like, kind of write, like, our analysis the night it was released, I looked at those first few weeks. I was like, man, that's, that's tough either way you spin it with, like, going on the road for the first two weeks, Cincinnati to Arizona. But I think with Seattle and Cleveland coming here, weeks three and four, and then you have, you know, Detroit and then at Carolina. By week seven, they're either going to be two and four or four and two. And that's a good spot to be in because coming out of that bye, that determines your season. Those five weeks, Dallas on Sunday night football, at Baltimore, at the Chargers, Green Bay at home, which, again, it's truly hard to pick the schedule when you don't know who the heck the quarterback in Green Bay is going to be. But then at San Francisco, week 12, and you're like, huh, is that where Trey, where Trey Lance's debut is going to be? Um, could it potentially be before? Because that's technically after the trade deadline, so is Garoppolo still going to be around? A lot of uncertainty, but holy smokes, that five-game stretch right there determines the season, and it was such an easy one to pick out. They have the fifth hardest strength of schedule. So, of course, you knew, like, when you saw what this, what those, you know, those numbers were, you know, initially, just given the opponents, and they based that off of, like, playoff, you know, wins from, or, you know, how records from the previous season, you know, how far these teams got, whatever, you know that before the schedule's released, that they would have the fifth hardest strength of schedule, but to see how the schedule was laid out, like, at week seven, week eight on, week eight through 12 is going to be a very, very tough stretch for the Vikings. Here's a new way that I'm looking at it. When you get the schedule, there are inevitably going to be hard games. There are inevitably going to be easy games. And I think, to put it so simply, you want the easy games on the road. You want the hard games at home. Because you don't want the hard games on the road. That's like Vikings going to Baltimore. I mean, that's mm-hmm. what that that's almost a guaranteed loss. And I think the Vikings... It worked out pretty well for the Vikings in that regard because you've got Cincinnati Road. Okay, that's good. Arizona Road, that's good. Carolina Road, that's good. Your first three road games are all extremely winnable. Um, So you'd rather have Seattle at home, obviously. You'd rather have Cleveland at home, obviously. Dallas at home. Like I, I think early in the season especially, you can make a case that every game is winnable. Um, like four out of the first five road games, very winnable. The first game where I'm like, like 10% um, versus 90% that the Vikings lose is Baltimore. Otherwise, I think there's a case to make to win all of them. Um, there aren't a lot of gimme losses on there, and, and there's quite a few manageable manageable games. So in that sense, I like the schedule if, if I want the Vikings to be good this year. I think they can easily go – four and two or five and one into the bye. Yeah. And, you know, the thing you also have to remember too, now with the 17 game schedule, which I finally have started to say it's a 17 game schedule and teams that I project to be, you know, 10 and eight, eight, 10 and how, oh, you know, I'm so bad at math. Like a nine and seven team is what I'll always call it. Like, so whatever, like, Nine and seven is now the new schedule. Like, and I know I'm literally screwing this up now because I've had what I wanted to say, but I at least know that that nine and seven is not a thing anymore. But like, you have to remember with the 17 game schedule, they drew the extra road game this year. They have nine road games versus eight. So an extra road game and, you know, 
Baltimore, their extra road game was going to the Chargers. Like, then that comes after that Baltimore game. Like, I'm with you. That is a really tough draw, and that's not a team that they play that often. The fact that they drew the AFC North this year with what we expect from Lamar Jackson when we're speaking of that game, what we expect from the Steelers, who they have on a short week with Thursday night football, Cleveland's still really good. You know, will the Browns finally live up to their Super Bowl hype that everybody seems to give them every offseason? And coming off what they did last year, it feels a little bit more realistic. The only wild card there is is Cincinnati and what they did and didn't do in the draft uh, in free agency. But, man, that's a tough, tough draw, especially with, you know, games at Cincinnati, at Baltimore. So two of your AFC North opponents are on the road. And then, you know, you have Cleveland coming here along with, with Pittsburgh. But that's, you know, I, I agree with you, Sam. I think I look at, you know, weeks one through six. I don't know if I'd go as far as five and one. I mean, even last year when they had a chance to beat Seattle, they didn't. And I think Seattle, for all that it's all of its flaws and all of its question marks of what they haven't done around Russell Westbrook, mm-hmm. I still think that, you know, if, I, if you're asking me to pick that game, I pick that as a loss. But, you know, Cincinnati's a good draw on the road. Arizona is a good draw on the road. Carolina is a good draw on the road. So that could be three road wins. I don't, obviously nothing ever pans out the way that I pick it, which is probably why I had to invent it, you know, an alter ego so she could do the stuff that I needed her to do. I don't, maybe I'll get one for the regular season. I don't know. I don't have one who picks schedules. So this is on me. And um, yeah, no, that's, that's a tough, that's really, really tough stretch coming out. I mean, week eight through 12 is going to be probably the busiest weeks for us as we look at those games. They have the most storylines, rookie quarterbacks. Um, it's going to be a very brutal stretch that will decide whether this team is even going to be in the hunt come beginning of December to fight for that, you know, wild card spot. Cause that's where I think that they would get into the playoffs as a wild card team. Mm-hmm. I, I have to make some sort of triple double joke since you called Russell Wilson, Russell Westbrook. Um, so what, what, what is, what is the, what is the Russell Wilson triple double against the Vikings? Like three touchdowns, 300 yards and a hundred yards rushing or something. Sure. I, mean, I don't, I don't think it'd be that. Not supposed to run on this defense, right? So it, sh- it shouldn't be that. But, yeah, sure. How have I never done that before? <laughs> I'm sure I have. But, like, see, this is what happens. When I go into, like, off-season mode and I'm doing so much radio, I'm, like, so locked in on the NBA. Now, like, if you want to talk play-in game, we can talk all the play-in, game, play-in tournament you want. I am NBA expert right now. Oh, really? okay. An- another alter ego. How good was LeBron versus Curry last night? Great. Unreal. I mean – that to get that as a play-in play-in game for the tournament and to have that be your headliner, I know we're not going to have that every single year. And this is our debate, seemingly daily on national radio, where players hate the idea of it because you draw a team like that that can beat you, and it's not it's not a one-game playoff because the Warriors then have you know the you know the they go to play one Memphis, Memphis to play. It was what it was nine ten game, and then now they'll get to fight for the eight seed. But you know, this is such a you know, it's such a cool idea, and it's kind of like their version of the wild card, right? Like that's what I think. I hope it sticks because wild card football, you can get some really bad games, or you can get Bills Texans from two thousand uh, two thousand nineteen season. Right. So, Every everyone's. 
everyone's always mad when they change these playoff formats around. And then when it actually gets there, they're like, I love this. Like same with the baseball one game playoff. And with adding the seventh team in the NFL, I don't know that a seven team is ever going to go win the Super Bowl, but it still makes for a great day when you could sit on the couch for like nine or 10 straight hours watching football when it comes to that. Uh, so I will give you my um, schedule take, and then we could get to uh, OTAs. I think that it's perfect for this team to prove that they're actually good, that it's not a schedule where you go unless, I mean, even if Aaron Rodgers is out um, and, and things sort of, sort of open up for them, I still think there are enough challenges here where you have to prove it. Like it, it, this whole schedule isn't just sort of laid out for you to cruise through and win 12 games and compete for the division or potentially win the division. Like there are a lot of pitfalls along the way. There are a lot of challenges along the way. Like think of it as if you're playing a video game, the last thing you want to do is win the, the entire game in like five hours. Like you want a bunch of challenges along the way to prove that you really did it and accomplished something. And I, I feel like this does this. Like you have to go out to LA and beat a a young emerging quarterback in Justin Herbert. Mm-hmm. You've got to face Justin Fields in his first year a couple times at the very end of the season, maybe at the end of the year to get into the playoffs or something. Like there's a lot of challenges here and a lot of good coaches, a lot of good quarterbacks. Like it's it's laid out for you to show, hey, Mike Zimmer and Kirk Cousins, this combination can actually take you somewhere and be truly competitive. Go do it. Yeah, and I mean, you're never going to get a coaching staff who will publicly say, we want an easy schedule so we can save our jobs, have longevity. Same with a quarterback. Everybody says they want to play the best. You know, If you want to be the best, play the best. Well, you have multiple opportunities to do that this year. It's not like you have Tom Brady and the Bucks again on your schedule, but coming out of your bye, you have Dak who, you know, who knows which Dak we're going to see. I mean, clearly the Cowboys believe in him to give him that, you know, absurd extension. And maybe he's really good. And maybe you're facing somebody who at that point is, you know, either on a team that has, you know, five or six wins, or maybe they start out the way that they did last year. I don't know. I, I, you'd like to think they fix the defense, considering how many resources they put into it and a change in scheme. But, you know, that's not a, that, that's not a slouch opponent to draw at all. The San Francisco team, you get a quarterback and you get all these healthy guys around them, that could be a Super Bowl team this year. Like They have a very hard road, and it's such a pivotal year because this team has not missed the playoffs in back-to-back years since Mike Zimmer arrived in 2014. So if they do, what does that mean? Does that mean that we're looking at you know, a, a potential change in leadership and the front office and coaching staff, what have you? And when you have a schedule like this, but you know, and the schedule obviously came out after the draft, but when you have a team that still is in this, we need to win now or we're probably not going to, like not everybody's going to be around mode, you drafted a lot of project players to be part of that. So you're either hoping that, okay, we don't have the condensed offseason. We actually can like touch and meld and mold these guys physically when they're here in May versus the first time we see them end of July or early August in training camp. They're in a really good spot to do that. but. Even still, that that creates some question marks, um, especially on the defensive side of the ball with, you know, some of their pass rushers on, you know, who's going to play opposite Daniel Hunter, things like that. And it's uh, it's not a friendly schedule if you don't have room for error, and I don't think that they really do. 
Hey everyone, summer is here and you're trying to get out on the golf course, but if you're like us here at Purple Insiders, spending all day golfing isn't always an option. That's why you need to check out Birdie Golf in Woodbury. I'll give you an example. My wife is new to golf and she's intimidated by the big courses, but at Birdie Golf, she could come and play without the pressure. You can make golf a family experience at Birdie Golf. Bring the kids, still get all of your swings in. They have eight of the world's best golf simulators where you can sharpen your swing and still have a great time. I've heard from several listeners to the show who have tried out Birdie Golf and absolutely loved it. You'll want to try the whiskey or beer float flights, and every time Sam and I show up at Birdie Golf to record our podcast, we always get the boneless wings. Make golf a night out. It's the perfect place to hold parties, events, fundraisers, and even your fantasy football draft. Check out Birdie Golf at 494 in Valley Creek in Woodbury, just a short drive away from anywhere in the Twin Cities metro at birdiegolf.com, B-I-R-D-I golf.com. Call 651-998-2200 today, and I'll see you there. Folks, if you are pumped up about how the Vikings did in the draft and now the schedule's out, it is a great time to get yourself a Skull Flag or Bud Grant shirt. And, of course, there's much, much more if you go to sodastick.com, S-O-T-A-S-T-I-C-K.com. Check them all out. And if you use the promo code PURPLEINSIDER, you can get free shipping on all your original Minnesota sports-inspired goods. And if you're ready for the summer months, we're going to have hockey playoffs so you can get your dollar bill krill shirts. And if you're a golfer, you have to see the Minnesota golf hats. They are classic. All of Soda Sticks apparel is screen printed here in Minnesota on super soft, super comfy shirts and hoodies. You will love it. Follow them at Soda Stick Co. on Twitter. Go to SodaStick.com for your original Minnesota sports inspired goods. Code Purple Insider for free shipping. Yeah, that, that's a good pivot into OTAs, too, because I think the Vikings caught a break by the fact that they are going to have something for these sure. rookies. Um, it's not a completely virtual offseason like last year where they had 15 draft picks and no way to get them ready. They will have that this year. I don't know if the team has released any kind of social media videos that showed like who reported of the mm-hmm. veterans, but I think that's kind of going to be one of the big storylines next week when we show up is who's there and who's not there. Um, Courtney, give me give me three people that that you think for sure will be there, like in the veteran ranks, or you would suspect would be there, and maybe three people who you don't expect to see. Yeah, when I checked in on this on Monday, of just how did it go, like who's there, and I was given a response that was everyone we expected to be there was there. So, no, Kirk Cousins was definitely there. I, I know Kirk Cousins was definitely there. Not mm-hmm. no, not no, comma Kirk Cousins. Like I don't know. Trying to make a grammar grammar joke as I spoke, but it's stupid. Um, Kirk, <laughs> Kirk will be there. It's no doubt in my mind. Um, you know, Patrick Peterson's going to be there. Like all of the new names that we, you know, have been talking about ever since they've been signed, those guys will be there. I believe Daniel Hunter will be there. Uh, that there will not be the notion that, you know, you know, opting, you know, holding out for the contract, all that stuff. I do believe that he will show up because you really haven't heard much the last couple days about him being there or not. Like, don't you feel like we would have heard something by now if he wasn't there? Like, Mm -hmm. I'm just trying to read the tea leaves here that I don't know how much he'll do if he does indeed show up, but I just think that given the circumstances of where these are voluntary, Mike Zimmer said it himself, and, you know, it truly does kind of baffle my mind when I see teams like the Bears canceling, what did they cancel, phase two? 
Um, the Eagles canceled mini camp, I believe it is. Like, do you really expect to get better? And I know players are going to be on the other side of this. The NFLPA is, is you know, doing whatever the heck it's doing and trying to fight in favor of the players. If you want to get better, you have to practice. You have to be doing something on the field. You can't just show up and expect to be great when you have a young team. Vikings have the sixth youngest team in the NFL right now. They have to be on the field in order to to learn because we saw what a virtual offseason did for two rookie corners last year. Wasn't good. So I anticipate that most everybody that we expect to be there will be there, as I was told with that kind of vague response I got on Monday. And to me, I feel, I just feel like we would have heard by now if something was going on with Hunter, if he didn't, you know, if the contract was that big of it, it's a contract extension, they've got to figure out something, don't get me wrong, but like, I just kind of feel like, you know, that'll certainly be the most noticeable absence, but I just, nothing's happened yet. And like, people have already started to report, we haven't heard anything about him yet. So we'll see. Hmm. Yeah, I guess uh, I was thinking that he would not, or if he did show up, that he wouldn't like get on the field and do anything. That he would and, that, and that could there. very easily be the case. Like I can't fault him if he does that at all. I mean, you've got to remember too when Anthony Barr was 2019. God, what year was that? 2018, 2019. When, uh, when did so he? I think it was 2019, right? When he took the insurance 18. policy out. I think it was 18. Oh, was it 18? Oh, sorry. He took the insurance policy out on himself and he missed like a day or something to do that. But then he came back. So I remember like that. I mean, could, could Daniel Hunter potentially do something like that? I mean, he's already under contract. It's not like, you know, you know, he's still set to make quite a bit of money next year. It's not, you know, where he would like to be allegedly. Uh, but I do believe that if he's there, he won't be doing much, but showing up itself, I think is a big thing. So we'll see. Yeah. If he shows up and doesn't do anything, it's sort of a good yeah, faith type Cook. of sign. Yeah. Thousand percent. Like I had this conversation with somebody the other day, like think about what they did with Dalvin when he, you know, to his credit, he didn't have to be there. He could have been like, pay me. Don't, and I'm not coming until you pay me and, you know, force their hand. But, even the coaching staff knew with that. I mean, and I'm not saying that as like a, whoa, that's such a crazy thing. Like, that was obvious, like, what they were doing in training camp with him. They don't want to get him hurt. They knew he was in contract negotiations. They knew it was getting contentious. Like, that's that's not a bad spot for, you know, they've learned from that. Like they, or they've, they've had that as, as an example they could follow if, if, you know, something with Daniel Hunter were to come up. And they were like, okay, like, look, like, it'll be fine. Just, like, be here. So if if the implication is that everybody's there who's expected to be there, and that includes Daniil, I'm trying to think of who wouldn't be there then, mm-hmm. um, because Daniil probably has the most incentive not to be. Sure. I mentioned Brian O'Neill because of his pending negotiation, um, but I can't think of like you know a Kendricks maybe. I, there aren't a lot of other veterans. Harrison Smith maybe if he's got some extension talks in the works, sure. but I'm trying to figure out, you know, the Vikings have always had really good attendance at these, like mm-hmm. uncommonly good yeah. attendance. So if a lot of those same veterans are showing up, um, are we talking like 85 or more people? I mean, that that could be like almost a full practice. Yeah. I mean, when you think about it, and you're right, Sam, because like we're never talking about, you know, we don't ever, outside of Stefan Diggs and the day that he had house issues or whatever he called it, which I just think it was the way that the question was phrased, of, of why he didn't show up. 
you know, I think you can kind of – actually, the more I've thought about that over the years, I mean, you know, it's take care of house issues. You know the, the phrase, take care of your home? That doesn't mm-hmm. necessarily mean, like, fix the pipe. It's just figurative. Here. It's figurative. It's all like, you know, I've got to take care of me and mine. You don't really have anybody that is up for, like, such con- – like, outside of Hunter, which I'm – you know, when I look at this, the Vikings do have quite a bit of leverage because guys coming off a neck injury didn't play 2020, and – He's still under contract for a couple of years. He signed that deal 23 years old because he wanted to. He wasn't forced into doing it. So they could look at this and say, hey, here's how this is going to play out. You know, it might get closer to training camp, but you know, be here for the offseason program. Do I think he ends up getting something? I think they have to at this point, unless Daniil is honestly operating in good faith to be like, all right, I'll ball out the season, then they're going to pay me next offseason because they've got to get Brian O'Neill like the extension soon. Like that to me seems like one of those press releases we'll get on a Wednesday in the middle of June. And Brian O'Neill has been signed to a four-year extension, blah, blah, blah. Like would not be surprised about that because that's typically the time that they do these things. But when it comes to anybody else, I mean, we dealt with the dig situation a few years ago and that's where the writing was on the wall that this was not going to end out well. I can't honestly see anybody else being such a huge holdout. It, sure, it would be news, but not anything that's like, this person's at risk of not playing this season. The only one would be Hunter, but I just kind of feel like given what we, what we haven't heard yet might point to like him actually being there next week. Yeah. That to me is the, by far the biggest storyline is just when we walk out there to take attendance is mm-hmm. Daniel Hunter out on the field. I would be very, very surprised if Brian O'Neill did any sort of holding out. I mean, this Same. is, this is now he is now the captain of the offensive line, considering how young they are. He's taking over that spot from Riley Reef as being the true leader, so it wouldn't make a lot of sense for him not to show up. Maybe he is limited in what he does just to be safe, but sure. um I think they're wearing shorts. Like that's the no, thing. Right, right, right. Like they're in phase two of OTAs and like you can't you can't touch anybody. Like you can't you know, pads don't pop for another like three or four months. So <laughs> And even when they do pop, they don't really pop because you don't want to hurt anybody. But I, but I, but I hear you. I mean, there have been injuries that have happened in in less than than OTAs. So I mean, you know, as long as everybody can, if you know, if you're not there already, or if, you know, you are, like, they don't. God, thank thank God for them and their players. They don't have any like Deshaun Hamilton or um, you know, whatever the right the right tackle from the Denver Broncos. Like, they're not running into any of those situations where guys get hurt working out away from the facility so that's that's a big positive I would say Courtney do you have a camp crush yet or is it too early for that do you have like an obscure um, bottom Um, of the roster guy that you're going to pound your fists for well no I mean I went to IU and when I was a student journalist I was a hard-nosed student journalist so I was like I cannot be a fan of the team well you must cover the team and I mean it worked out well for me um, that mentality because it created, you know, my hard ass nature and uh, other things that, you know, probably make me um, decent at my job. But nonetheless, last year during the pandemic and really for the last couple of years, I, I started to watch more IU football just as like a, do I call myself a fan? I'm an alumni, but like I look at this team the way that like, you know, last year was a fun year given there was nothing else we were doing last fall, especially when the world shut down again. In November, I was, like, super all-in on IU football. So when they took a flyer on Watt Fillier, wide receiver uh, for the Indiana Hoosiers, who they signed as the UDFA, when I saw that name came through, I was like, yeah, awesome. 
So I watched him. You were Sam was standing next to me. I watched him quite a bit at uh, tra- at rookie camp last week because I didn't really. I mean, wide receivers are running routes on air. Like even like seven and seven was kind of meh. Like you know, we didn't see a whole lot from Kellen Mond to be like, wow, like that was great, or wow, this receiver made a great catch. But it is too early. But can I can I can I have that like homer pick? I guess if you want to call that a homer pick. I mean, you you love wide receivers too. Davion Davis is still like, you know, don't you have his name tattooed on your arm? Um, it's not, not my arm, Courtney. Okay. I mean, wow. you, you went further that with like that camp crush, I think. I mean, we've been talking about that for a couple of years now. Um, I don't know if I'll ever get to that point, but, you know, mm-hmm. I – I picked the UDFA. That's not – see, I went above and beyond expectations because I didn't pick any of the draft picks because, or even, like, any of the lower ones. I know Matt wants me to pick Zach Davidson. That's too obvious <laughs> because you have a tight end slash punter slash long snapper question mark next to his name. Of course I'm going to like that pick. And, yeah, he is a fifth-round pick. He's not a lock to make the roster by any stretch, but I, I liked my in-the-weeds UDFA. Hey everyone, I want to tell you about our friends at Scout Logistics, and I really do mean it when I say friends. They are fans of Purple Insider over at Scout Logistics, and since they reached out wanting to support this show, I want to tell you about what they do. Scout Logistics is just-in-time transportation for full tractor-trailer loads, and if you're wondering what that means exactly... Well, if you own or work for a company that needs shipping solutions, they are the preferred carrier of Fortune 500 companies across North America, and we have quite a few of those in Minnesota, right? They can ship perishable, non-perishable, FTL or LTL, and they have on-time delivery rate of over 99%. So, if you're like them and you enjoy the show and you have shipping needs, check out scoutlogistics.com or call 855 217-2688, extension 232, to connect with them directly to find out how Scout Logistics can minimize risk and overperform and go the extra mile for your company. You will love the article I wrote about the UDFAs because at the bottom, I wrote the following. My prediction, the Vikings find room for two specialists, one receiver, and one linebacker out of their UDFA crop I'll go with Turner Bernard, Riley Patterson, Watt Fillier, and Christian Ellis. That's what's up. Uh, I also I also have this uh, – I, I think it's a good pick because I watched a little bit of him when they played Ohio State. And he, Yeah, that's the a, game that sticks out to me yeah. for sure. He's a playmaker. I mean, so the, there's like a natural playmaking ability with him, and the door is wide open for anybody to step up and take a job here. So I think that's a good selection. I also struggle with the – like – can I still be a fan of stuff type of thing? Because we're just like, when I go to Lynx games, I don't, sure. I don't clap like at stuff. And when the Lynx lose, I'm like, Oh man, did you see what happened with this and this and this? And I'm like, I, I'm not, it's just like we've trained ourselves to not care about the results. So it's sort of an interesting thing, but I think failure either way is a good pick yeah. just because of how he played in college. And if you look at his numbers and such, I mean, there's more impressive parts of his game than Smith-Marset, which kind of leads me to my next OTA question for you, Courtney, which is, like, is that the number one storyline outside of Daniil Hunter is just where these rookies fit in on the roster? I think that it is. Like, do, do we see Wyatt Davis immediately play starting right guard, or is it like Mason Cole to start, and then they say, no, Wyatt Davis will have to earn this position, like... 
What what direction do you think they go with a lot of these rookies, and where will they slot in to start OTAs? Well, let's start with the offensive line. To me, like this is the most clarity we've had with this offensive line at this point of May in any offseason that I've covered the team. Because it's not like last year, you know, they they draft Ezra Cleveland and they leave the right door open. They, I look back at the quote, at the quote, like not that long ago when Rick Spielman said, Riley Reef will hold down the left side. Left side. He left that open. Not as like he's going to be the left tackle. Ezra Cleveland will be, you know, the swing tackle and learn behind him. There wasn't, we don't have this nest, like this uncertainty about so many positions on the offensive line. Christian Dayer saw you're starting day one left tackle. Sorry, Rashad Hill. Like you're awesome and like a great swing tackle and a terrific backup. You know, he is not going, like, you drafted the guy 23rd overall. Like, Riley Reeves has gone. You like him because he's not a good run blocker. He's good pass protection. He's a massive individual. He is your starting day one left tackle. Then where they started Wyatt Davis last week, and I asked Mike Zimmer about that while he's playing right guard because I don't know it makes sense because he was a unanimous All-American, first-team Big Ten last year, playing right guard for a team that made it to the national championship. He's starting out there. That won't be the last spot Zimmer said he plays, and I'm not surprised about that as they try to figure out their guard situation. But I do think we have more clarity at this point with where those two rookies are going to play and that they're going to play and contribute immediately. Like, third, like I know I've talked about this with you, Matt. Like, third-round offensive linemen, especially third-round guards, tend to really pan out. Like, if you look back historically, the last, like, five or six, seven years, there are a lot of guards who have been drafted in that 70 to, like, 90 – 88 range that end up becoming starters pretty quickly. I covered one in Gabe Jackson out in, in Oakland when he was drafted 81st overall in 2014 and then played right away. And he switched positions actually to play left guard for, for Oakland that first season. So Wyatt Davis, I feel like, you know, yes, they have a Mason Cole that they traded for and that adds size and that's good experience. You know, if you, if, if you have to turn to him. Yes, Dakota Dozier's back. I don't know why Dakota Dozier would play at all this year unless it was in a desperation situation because of just how poorly he played last year. So it's kind of one of these maybe they won't overcomplicate it this time because it all points to being a very simple equation of what you need on this offensive line. As it pertains to the other rookies and where they fit in, you know, the position I think you have to look at is the defensive line and wondering – now, what are they going to do? Say Daniel Hunter, let's say there's no question about Daniel Hunter that he's playing, what have you. What are they going to do opposite him? Is it going to be a rotation between Stephen Weatherly, DJ Wanham, and Patrick Jones II until they finally figure out what role each fits? Could Patrick Jones win that job? I don't know. There's so much that's unknown. Like, what is Janarius Robinson? He's, he, hasn't, he has not put it all together quite yet. It, because he had like some really good moments at Florida State where he flashed, but also kind of these moments where it's like this guy's an athlete, not a polished product. So, so what does that translate to you? Because this team loves its fourth-round defensive linemen. How quickly can you get them to come along? And if you are a team that has so much like expectation, you know, internally and externally, to win right now, can these project-type players make an impact? Like where you will see, which I am comfortable saying, where you will see the biggest impact from rookies and where they fit. Special teams, new kick returner, new punt returner, new kicker. Easy. Like, that's the one. And those are going to be some fun battles. Like, 
And I know, I know Kane Wangu said that he's never fielded punts before and wants to start trying it. So it's going to be a disaster. <laughs> it's so hard to feel. I know, I know, I know, I know. Like, but like, I just, I love the enthusiasm. And I remember who did it a few years ago, Matt. Like, I remember you talked to me about this guy catching it out of the machine. Was, try, was it Rodney Adams trying Rodney. to like, field punts? And it was just like a, you know, an all out abomination. So I, hopefully I, it's not um, that bad. I had Marcus Sherrill's on the show once. And uh, I asked Cheryl's about, like, how he practices and why it's so difficult. And I mentioned Rodney Adams struggling. And it was the first time I ever heard Marcus Cheryl's laugh. Like, you know how even-keeled Marcus was. How quiet he was. Right. One of the reasons everybody loved him is, you know, he's really quiet. But he laughed like a guffaw at at Rodney Adams' struggles to return putts because it was, I mean, they were just bouncing off his helmet and his shoulder pads and stuff. And I, so I asked uh, Amir Abdullah two years ago when we were in the locker room, just the, I was like, you think that, you know, like we could catch one? And he was like, if the punter didn't try and just sort of punted it right to you, yes, you probably could. We've seen interns catch the ball before out there. Yeah, yeah. But if the punter is trying, they know how to make the ball like, flutter in the air or knuckle or whatever and he's like you'd have no shot if the punter was really trying you'd have no shot and I think um well you know maybe Kenai Wangwu can do it but they should probably have someone who knows how to catch them I mean even Chad Beebe and KJ Osborne They're last year could not catch them. I know are their days over as punt returners and as kickoff returners with in the case of KJ Osborne are those days because remember Mike Hughes is not on the roster anymore, and he did have that role early on in his career before they transitioned him and trying to play more, but injuries. like So are the ones that are currently veterans, or I guess if you want to call K.J. Osborne, you know, second-year player in a Chad Beebe, are they going to be in contention for this, or is it just going to be the rookies? Because relying on rookies to fill your special teams' needs, which this is how this team builds its roster, so you're not overpaying for, like, Eh, veterans, that's that's a big risk you take, but that is going to be the most guaranteed risk that they take given how many day three draft picks they spent that that have that special team focus. I, I think we've seen the last of K.J. Osborne in a regular season game. I don't know he, if he is – It became a liability any- last year. I get it. But it's just like are they going to give him one more shot? Because if they don't, he's probably not making the roster – yeah, they should just cut their losses, I think. If he's not head and shoulders better as a punt returner, which I have a hard time believing, the kick return job is not a real job. Like, you return, like, 12 kicks a year. It's not that hard to catch them. You get tackled at the 23 and call it a day. Like, it's not that difficult. Amir Abdullah can do it. Anyone else can do Lander. it. Oh, my God. You just, like, completely just, like, killed their dreams being like, you have it easy. It's like being like, teachers, you have it easy. You work nine months out of the year. You have a whole summer off. <laughs> That's the same argument you just Being made. a teacher is harder than, than <laughs> catching a, a kick off a tee. That's my hot take for the day. Or, or just watching it fly out of the back of the end zone, which is what you usually do. Any teacher could kick return. They just watch the ball fly <laughs> over them. I, I even looked at this. I even looked at this where the difference in starting position after kickoffs between the worst and best team in the NFL was the 24-yard line versus is the 29-yard line, which doesn't make a whole heck of a lot of difference. And some of the worst kick return teams 
were some of the best at scoring after kick returns. So it's just not a thing that matters anymore unless you have Cordero Patterson, which is sort of odd why they would draft. They could have had him. They could have like, had him. I know. Like, I, what I don't get about their drafting is is this thing where it's like, Every coach seems to get a draft pick. Like Andre Patterson, you get a draft pick. Like the Oprah meme, like, and the special teams coach, you get a draft pick. And Kennedy Palomalo, the running back coach, you get a draft pick. We always hear about how they're like attributed to these coaches. Like, Mm -hmm. well, what are the scouts? Do they do it? Do they not do the picks? I don't know. It's just an odd thing to me that, uh, you know, so you always have the special teams picks. And they have never worked out. There's not a single guy that they've drafted as like a special teams player. In fact, the best special teams player that they've had over the last, I don't know how many years, um, is Eric Wilson, who they got undrafted. So yep. that's kind of like how this goes. Um, with the with the wide receiver, let me circle back to that because I want to see this very much of where okay. everyone slots in as the wide receivers. Um, does Smith-Marset get an early chance? My observation on Smith-Marset, as you said, you can't really tell with rookie minicamp if they're running the right routes or whatever, but very small, very skinny, very yeah. uh, very Hollins-like, Alexander Hollins-like. So um, where, like, do you think that Chad Beebe and B.C. Johnson are locked into this thing or like what? Probably not. I think that, you know, when we talk about wide receiver three with this team, and the Vikings still have some money to spend. I'm looking it up now. They've got about $9.3 million in cap space. And we have mentioned that maybe there's one more move that they could make. Maybe they're saving it because they're potentially waiting on something to happen with Daniil Hunter and that maybe they have to go out and get some another veteran pass rusher if this whole thing just doesn't work out. Um, and, and circumstances required. I know there could be other things, but I'm trying to go basics here. There's several guys that are on the market still, like all of the fun buzz that we've heard about Larry Fitzgerald the last couple months, like he's still out there. I mean, Julian Edelman retired, so he's off the market, but like Danny Amendola is still out there. Uh, Cedric, what's his name? His name always, uh, I always forget his last name, whatever. He's out there too. Um, you know, there's, there's several receivers that could come in and, you know, I'd love to see the Larry Fitzgerald storyline just for like, you know, posterity's sake of, you know, things coming full circle. But if that doesn't happen, if they don't end up signing a wide receiver three, which, you know, they typically go get guys like, um, what's his name? Uh, Kendall Wright. And, uh, who was the guy from last year? Tajay Sharp. Like that never pans out. So maybe those guys are actually on the roster Smith Marset, outside of the return capabilities, he's your he's your your deep threat straight straight line speed guy, top end speed. So that's good because they needed to add some speed to this offense, which they did on day three. Is he going to be consistently that guy though? They just never carve out that role, and maybe some of that has to do with what they're planning to do with Herb Smith Jr. at the tight end position because. We've seen flashes of it when he is that F tight end and when he is a big part of the passing game and when they can use 12 personnel and, and you know, your tight ends aren't just like expected to block. But like how many, how does his target share affect what they do with wide receiver three? Maybe they, maybe they just like having these guys as role guys and not having to rely on, you know, you are the wide receiver three, like in every situation, you know, for Chad Beebe, it's, Catch a couple third down passes a year and call it call it a good season. Stay healthy. You know, BC Johnson fell off last year. And I think a lot of that had to do with you know, certainly with, you know, Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen and the attention that they got, but nobody else was able to carve out a role. 
So Smith-Marset being the only receiver that they drafted, I mentioned Wap Fillier. Um, you know, I believe they brought in a couple other guys. I have my rookie camp roster right Blake here. Cole. Um, they had they had four receivers in at rookie minicamp. Myron Mitchell, who did not and he didn't practice last week. In the hoodie, can't make the club in the tub. Cannot number eighty seven. I uh, Wap Blake Prohl, who is he from? Mich- no, he's from. How did you know that name? Just reading the roster. No, he's Ricky Prohl's Just son. Mine like a steel oh, trap. Okay, and then Amir Smith Marset. So they ha- they bring a lot in. So I'll be curious to see kind of what happens. I wouldn't be shocked if there's like another camp body or two in there. But when there is a Chad Beebe who they did, uh, they tendered him at the RFA level this year after they, um, you know, let free agency happen. You know, he wasn't picked up by anybody right away. So they like him for something. I don't know if it is the wide receiver three role. I tend to think that it is a situational role for him. And this will kind of be B.C. Johnson's last shot because he took a big step back last year. There were reasons out of his control just because Justin Jefferson was such a star from the beginning that they didn't have to, and nobody got hurt. I mean, remember, B.C. Johnson played a ton because Adam Thielen got hurt. But, you know, I will be very curious to see if they do sign a wide receiver three from the veteran pool that's still out there. They can get them cheap right now. They don't have to spend a whole ton of money, but that, that's not, that would not happen until training camp. It's all coming up WAP. I think it's all coming <laughs> up WAP. You know, I would love to, I would love to be right about that uh, just because, you know, us IU grads have to stick together. So that'd be great. But, um, you know, he really is a playmaker. It's not just the IU that I train that I'm right now. I mean, go back and watch that game where they, I mean, Indiana's defense, I mean, both teams still gave up like 500 yards of offense that, that day, but you know, that was such a fun game. And to see Indiana play on the national stage against a team that went to the national championship and nearly and come back from where they were at in the first half and nearly win that game. I mean, Watt Fillier balled out that game. I can't wait to actually get to talk to him about it. And, you know, that's going to be a little tough to do over Zoom when I just start sabotaging it and, like, just taking over and, like, asking about, like, you know, Indiana-related things. So you guys are just going to have to indulge me on that. I apologize. I don't think that you would ever hijack one of those press conferences. Uh, I don't don't think that that would ever happen. Uh, Last question for you, Courtney, is this. Sam has vowed to take videos of both completions and incompletions from Kellen Mond to send out on Twitter. What can we actually look for in your opinion? Like as you're out there in your, uh, in your bucket hat, making sure the sun isn't in your eyes, you got the, the shades on, you got the um, fanny pack. You forgot fanny, the most important yes, thing. Yep, fanny yep. pack with the banana on it. You know, yep. you got the fanny pack so you could pull out your notes quick and write things down that Kellen Mond. Binoculars. Is. What are, what are you really going to try to look for with Kellen Mond though? Well, you know, to Sam's credit, like I took a video last week, he was standing next to me and I was like, great to have a completion here, but I'm also like, what's the point of that? Like, I'm not making up some narrative about this and just showing the good stuff. Like, there was a pretty good pass breakup by, who was it? It was that linebacker from, um, it was not, uh, is it Chad? I don't know. I don't know. How to, Chaz Surratt? Yeah. It was not Chad Surratt. I want to say it was number 49, Christian Ellis. Love him. Um, he, uh he went to Idaho. Very um, exciting. He Very was playing exciting. games like three weeks ago. I kid you not. 
Because he's an FCS school. Yeah. You're right. You're right. Yeah. No, absolutely. That's why so many of these UDFAs are guys from those smaller programs. But, you know, there was there was that. And then, like, he overthrew or, you know, it's a tip pass to, to Watt Fillier. It wasn't very good. So I think that what we gather from the set on seven from last week is not a whole lot. But when we get out there to see what the second team offense looks like, because I do think, right, first off, that's like the number one thing. He's got to be taking the second team reps, right? Like, no, you can't. You can't tell me that like Nate Stanley or Jake Browning are going to be taking reps over your third round pick, your potential replacement for Kirk Cousins. All these things, all these storylines around it. Like, you can't tell me that. But when it comes like seven on seven and eleven on eleven over the next like you know couple weeks as we get through like OTAs and then mini camp, I want to look and see like what the command he has at the line of scrimmage. Like, is he getting the ball? Like, is the ball getting snapped properly? Is he making the right call? Is he hitting receivers in stride? Is he able to run around a little bit? Because um, I want to see that melody that they love so much and the footwork and the athleticism. I want to see it on display. Because there were a lot of times he was around a bad offensive line last year at Texas A&M that you were just, like watching those games, looking at like run, like you know, move. You have the availability, you have the ability and the physical capability to do that. So now you know he's going to be in front of probably a better offensive line than he had at Texas A&M. I don't think that's any shock to say that. How does he handle himself? Um, you know with the mobility aspect, but also as a pocket passer. Like, you know, because that's something that, you know, when we talk about differences in skill set, and I thought it was kind of interesting what Mike Zimmer said about, like, you know, what do you want to learn from – what do you want him to learn from Kirk Cousins? And he's like, he wants him to be himself. Well, they didn't draft him to be Kirk Cousins. They drafted him because he has a completely different skill set. So what does that skill set actually look like in this offense? Does that make this offense more dangerous? And we're not going to really know because he's not playing this year. Barring some serious circumstance, he's not playing. But when you get to see that stuff in training camp and then even before that with mandatory mini camp and then OTA, it's like just kind of watching and seeing, like, what is this guy getting it? Is it clicking right away? And how, if it's not, what is that going to take for it to click, if that right. makes sense? And, and I, I look for everybody's body language, like our receivers 100%. like responding to him, our coaches responding to him well. But I would not be shocked – if Jake Browning and Nate Stanley and Kellen Mond are mixing in with those second team reps. Oh, of course. You know, you know they're going to do that just to politic to, to yeah. begin with, just to kind of keep it, you know, Kirk, you're not being replaced. Like, we're, you know, trying to find the best backup for you. We've got three guys here. We like Jake Browning. We paid him all this money as a UDFA a couple of years ago, Nate Stanley, whatever. Like, and then, um, you know, Kellen Mond, probably – I think you're probably not far off in thinking that. We know who the backup's going to be this year. There's no doubt in my mind it's going to be Kellen Mond. But when it in the time where it quote-unquote doesn't matter, where you have time to, like, play around and do things, now is probably the time you would see that happen. Yeah. That is my guess. Well, thank you, Courtney, for joining for this Friday roundtable. And the next time we talk, we'll have seen a practice with rookies, with veterans, with everybody out there. It'll be great. So I'm looking yeah. forward to that.